Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord brings you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. The Word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I can relate to the Israelites in this passage. I can relate to having no faith for deliverance from the bondage of the slavery of sin in my life. I had faith for the forgiveness of my sins, but not the deliverance from them, not the freedom from them. I knew what it was like to walk in the cycle of confession and failure, but not what it was like to be free indeed. There's a difference And so I could relate to the Israelites here. They were full of fear. And how many of you know that fear cannot exist with faith? And so the Israelites, the Lord allows this impossible situation to happen. And though the Bible says nothing is impossible for those who believe, the Israelites had no faith here. And their fears began to surface and get the best of them. Fear isn't just an emotional response. It's an indication of your view of God 
in a situation? How am I seeing God in this situation right now? Do I see Him as punisher? Oh look, it's doom and gloom. The Lord's against me. Like a foreboding kind of thing? Like, there's no hope here. Do I see Him as limited? This situation is impossible. There's no way for me to be free here. This may be for Him. This may be for her. But it's not for me, given the circumstances, the feelings that rise up in me uh, that are my everyday normal. And so, the Lord here is surfacing these things in the Israelites that they have to deal with them. What was already there. This wasn't like a new response at a crazy situation. Now, the situation was crazy, <laughs> but it surfaced what was already there. So the Lord would bring about His glory through the impossible. That only He could boast in saying it was He who had done it. Nobody else could have done what happened in this story, right? And also, He surfaced what was in them to heal them. In this passage in verse 15, you see Moses actually uh, is in prayer because the Lord says to him, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> he says, extend your staff, right? And so we know that Moses is in prayer. And this is familiar for Moses. He was one who the Scriptures say was face to face with God. And so this was familiar posture for him. He's praying, the Lord answers him, and the Lord gives Moses a word. Let's look at verses 13 and 14 again on your screen. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's worth repeating because when the legions of hell are coming against you in your story, and it was all of Pharaoh's chariots who were deployed. All of them. You need a word. <laughs> You need a word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord is spirit and life. The word of the Lord produces faith. The Bible says the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It's not just a word of merely a word of encouragement. It's an impartation. Amen? And so they get a word through Moses. We need a personal encounter with the living word. A personal revelation that... When God sees me, He sees Jesus. That God loves me as He loves Jesus. That God is for me. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We need an encounter of that Word, right? We need the Lord to, show, to reveal that in our lives. It's more than memorizing a Bible verse. It's an encounter with the living Christ who is the living Word of God. I got a Word a couple months ago. It was in the form of a dream. I saw a believer being delivered from demonic oppression. And it was, it was a demonstrative, it was a dramatic kind of dream. Um, and it was regarding a particular issue. Immediately thereafter, the Lord positioned me. He put me in a number of ministry situations where this played out. You know, the second, the second time in one of these circumstances, I realized, oh, that dream was a foretelling dream. The Lord gave me a word. Why? So that I wouldn't walk in fear in ministry, but that I would have faith that, oh, this is what's going to happen here. And so the word produced faith, and he can speak to us in many ways. 
So the Israelites got an inbirth of faith here, supernaturally. I mean, they're walking toward water and seeing by faith, not by sight. Nothing, no water's piled up yet, right? They still have a decision to make. And some of us, we want the encounter with the Lord, but we don't want to stop trying and striving in our own strength and receiving what the Lord has for us. Others of us, we hate the torment and the torture that our sin is bringing to us and our family and the destruction it's causing. But we don't want to take God at His Word or to leave the familiarity of that sin in our life. It's, it's what we know, right? And it's what we're used to. It's what we're settling for. But the Israelites take God at His Word here. Uh, when we were at our friend's house, we went out on a lake and uh, we took, I took the boys tubing. Uh, the girls took turns, so Julie and Ava went uh, you know, one round and we went on another. And I was just telling the boys, look, Mr. Lou, he's, really, he's, a safe, he's a safe driver. He knows what he's doing on this thing. I had never been on a boat with a guy, you know. But I'm like, he's, he has a license to drive a boat. Um, and uh, he's safe. And so you're wearing vests. He's not going to go too fast, right? I'm saying all the things and, um, to ensure them that they're going to be safe. And so, so they get out on the tube, and it's like super fun for most of the time, but then the waters get choppy. And they, they throw my word out the window, right? I mean, they're like terrified. <laughs> and, and they're screaming and they're doing the thumbs down, meaning slow down, you know. And they were safe. I'll have you know, they, nobody got hurt. But, um, but, you know, they looked at, they used their logic. They used their, what they, circumstances they saw around them. The fear that it caused to rise up in them. And that informed them more greatly than the word that I gave them, right? <laughs> in that moment. And that's normal. And so this is not normal. <laughs> this is supernatural. They take God at His word. But I want us to understand a principle of the kingdom, of, of the ways of God this morning. That when God gives you a word, it's a seed. God's promises are a seed. But the, what the New Testament calls the obedience of faith, that's what we need to do. We need to walk out the word until it comes to pass. See, many of us get a prophetic word and then in a, in a self-fulfilling way we say, I've decided that if it hasn't happened already, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> and so I lose hope and faith and I stop walking in the light as they are here, right? The Lord meets their obedience with power. They're walking in the light as children of light. Those who aren't coming through the mediator, they're walking in the dark. They have no light. But they're walking out the Word. They got a Word back here, right? About their preferred future. And they're walking in the light as children of light. And we need to take those steps until the Word comes to pass because God is faithful to all His promises. Amen? And so the Word there, the key there is until. Until it comes to pass. Look at Jesus on the cross. He endured the cross. He kept entrusting Himself to the Father even through death, right? To the light on the other side. Until the word that He spoke as a prophecy was, I will rise again in three days. Until it came to pass. He walked it out, right? And so, keep entrusting yourself to the Father. That's what He's exhorting us to do this morning from His word. 
keep entrusting until the promise comes to pass. Our role's faithfulness in receiving the promise today and tomorrow and the next day until it comes to pass. His role is performing the promise. Amen? Who is God for us? God is our deliverer. This is a picture, brothers and sisters, this passage we read. A picture of our redemption through the cross, through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Amen? Jesus bought us out of the slave market of sin. He satisfied as a sacrifice once and for all the wrath of God on sin and death. And we are declared not guilty. God judged in favor of the saints, that's you and me who are in Christ, and they possessed a kingdom. Listen to this, what Paul says in Romans 4-5, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited them as righteousness. For the one, to the one who does not work, stand still. This is what Moses said, right? <laughs> Stop working. Stop trying, right? Stand still and the Lord will deliver you today. This is what Tim Keller, author and pastor, says on this Exodus 14 passage. When Jonah was in the boat and the storm of God's wrath was about to sink the boat, Jonah turned to all the sailors and said, this is a storm of God's wrath. Throw me in and you'll be saved. And the sailors threw Jonah in and were delivered. And Jesus had the audacity to say, now something greater than Jonah is here in referring to himself. Jesus Christ on the cross was thrown into the ocean of God's wrath. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when he said that, he was being put under the ocean of God's wrath. All the plagues came down on Jesus. Darkness came down. Jesus was being decreated so that you and I could be recreated. Jesus received the reality that all these judgments, such as flood waters, point to. More than that, listen to this. God said to Israel, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. The more you meditate on what God has done and see the flood waters go over Jesus' head, the more holy you will be. This was true of Moses. Moses, the Bible says, knew the ways of God. Israel knew his acts. Moses knew what God was like. The difference was relational, right? Moses was intimate with God. It says he was a friend of God. He was face to face with God. He knew what God was like. And the more you look at God and see Him for who He is, and you get a revelation of who you are as a free son and daughter in Jesus Christ, the more you also learn and are entrusted with to carry in power and authority. Moses was a man like you and me. And the Lord, but he knew God in this way and the Lord entrusted him to extend his staff. I mentioned we possess a kingdom. And I had another dream more recently too. It was also around the same time, and the Lord really speaking on this issue of deliverance, which is another reason I'm preaching on this passage today. But in the dream, a mentor of mine in prayer came up to me during, in a conference setting, and he gave me the workbook, and we opened to the chapter we were on, and the chapter we were on is called Judge the Scoundrel, okay? 
And shortly after that, I'm listening to a podcast. It's like on hearing God. It's like not related to that at all or so, I thought. Um, and in this podcast, uh, this man who's 65 years old, he almost died four times. He gets a vision from the Lord. And in the vision, it's his deceased wife who says to him, for the next 20 years, I want you to terrorize the devil. Terrorize the devil. Terrorize the devil. Why am I saying this to you right now? It's because this is our assignment in Christ. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the enemy. And we possess this kingdom. And brothers and sisters, I am not prescribing a devil preoccupation because that's not what works. I am not saying, so be preoccupied with the devil. Do witch hunting. I'm not saying that. (laughs) What I'm saying is be preoccupied with Jesus. What I'm saying is fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Get a revelation of what it means that He is holy and holy other. And in light of His holiness that I am free. So that now as I'm free, I can free you. That you can walk in the light I carry. Because Jesus said of you, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus said of you and of me that we are the light of the world. Amen? And so we're not just called to stand still and be delivered. We're called to deliver our brothers and sisters and unbelievers by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says that the Egyptians would come to know this one. Right? That those who were in the dark in this passage would come to know that God is the one true living God. Right? See, he cared about the Egyptians too in this passage. The people of Egypt would learn this truth. If the worship team and prayer ministers could come forward. The psalmist sings that when I entered the sanctuary place, I discerned my enemy's end. This is a picture of Moses' command here to the Israelites, right? It's when you get into God's presence. You discern the reality of the situation, which is that you already won. (laughs) You already won. Receive the seed. In fact, it's more than a seed. The result has already occurred 2,000 years ago. (laughs) The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. How many of you know we're seated in Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father? And the enemy is our footstool through Jesus' finished work at the cross. Amen? Stop fighting. Stop trying. And receive the reality of the goodness, of the love of the Father. And keep entrusting yourself to this love, to this truth, until you are free indeed. Jesus said that He loves us and He freed us. Freed, past tense. You're free. (laughs) Be free. You're free. What in your life won't stand past today? What in your life will not continue past today? Is it fear? Is it unforgiveness and the bitterness that comes from it? Is it 
addiction, habitual sin that you have no faith for freedom from. But the Lord says, you are free. Receive the word of the Lord. Take him at his goodness and at his word, knowing that this is for you. My dad said in his testimony of his healing from cancer, this is for now. This is for you. That's a good word. That's our inheritance, brothers and sisters. An inheritance of freedom and nothing less. Don't settle for less than your birthright in Christ. Amen? What is your Egyptian army breathing down your neck? Stop trying and receive the word of the Lord that 2,000 years ago you were set free. Maybe for you it looks like restoration ministry, a ministry, a prayer ministry at our church. Prayer for freedom and healing. Maybe it looks like counseling. Maybe it looks like both. Maybe today is your day where this thing stops. I mentioned at the beginning of my, of, of my sermon that, um, you know, the first half of that story. But brothers and sisters, I can tell you the only reason I'm up here this morning is because the Lord gave me a greater revelation of the whole truth. And I am free from that which I had no faith for yesterday. <laughs> and that's yours, because God's no respecter of persons. He just doesn't love me more. <laughs> Did you know that? I want you to repeat this after me. I should have, I should have uh, made this a slide, but I did not. So um, repeat this with me. The Lord has thrown my enemies. The Lord has thrown my enemies. Sin, death, and Satan. Sin, death, and Satan. Into the sea. Into the, sea. The, Lord has made my shore of pain and defeat. the Lord has made my shore of pain and defeat. A shore of victory and freedom. I am a redeemed and free child of God. I am a redeemed and free child of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.